Good afternoon and welcome to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. Coming up this afternoon, Larry Wagner, past chair of the Manitoba Forage and Grasslands Association, offers his reaction to the province's introduction of a new polycrop establishment insurance. And we'll have details following yesterday's national summit hosted by the federal government, intended to strengthen Canada's supply chain. The latest farm news and market numbers also coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I spoke with Larry Wagner, past chair of the Manitoba Forge and Grassland Association, following last week's announcement that the province is introducing a new polycrop establishment insurance to the agri-insurance suite. I believe that the Manitoba crop insurance, bringing in this, this program is good because it will give producers a chance to protect some of their expenses when they're putting in these new polycrops, which is a way of creating more feed supply and improving soil health for the producers and for the farmers. Has there been a need for this kind of program? The use of polycrops is growing every year, and we're seeing more and more people getting into it. I'm not sure how much need there is for the actual insurance, but I know the, the usage of it and being able to cover the people who want it is going to be bigger and growing every year. Mm-hmm. Do you know how popular uh, polycrops are in Manitoba? I couldn't tell you direct numbers, but I know that there's more people trying it every year just as a way to improve their, their feed situation. Mm-hmm. And also the people that are interested in soil health are trying it to see if it, what, how it works in their place. Okay. Tell me what polycrops are. Polycrops, or also called cover crops, are... Uh, a mixed variety of annual crops that are grown together, and it could be anywhere from 2 to 15 different species in the mix, and each of them are growing together. It's like having, uh, instead of having a guy playing a guitar in an orchestra, you now have the whole orchestra playing. You talked a little a little bit about it, but what are the, the benefits uh, of polycrops or, or cover crops, as you mentioned? Okay, the, the first thing is... The reason Manitoba Forage and Grasslands is promoting this is it's an annual feed supply that producers can use. Mm. It gives you a chance to produce one or two different types of crops during the same year. You could take off a green feed crop earlier and then still have a residue and some warm season crops going later for, uh, for grazing or later season grazing mm-hmm. or just, letting the, just keeping the soil health going. It is a very good option because this year people are feeding straw and pellets, or if they can afford some grain, they have it. All those supplies are getting tighter and closer, so having the option of looking at putting in a crop earlier in spring and being able to use it, and then saving your perennial pastures till later and giving them time to recover, depending on how badly they were used in the last three years of this drought and four years of this drought. All right, good. Well, is there anything else we should talk about? There is all the talk going on right now about how much snowfall got and how much of this is going to break the drought. Mm. To me, just driving around here, we've gotten a fair bit of snow at Verdon, mm-hmm. but when you drive around now, there's bare spots in fields according to where the, the residue was to catch the snow, and we're seeing a lot of it piled up. So on an average, it looks great on paper, but what we're seeing on the fields varies a lot from spot to spot. So we're still going to need timely rains in spring to make a crop. This is just going to be some runoff water and some water to fill dugouts. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Candace Dirksen. Time for a look at your noon farm news.
More good news for Canadian beef exports. The Philippines has lifted its suspension of Canadian beef imports. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo announced the news on Twitter, calling it great news for livestock producers and their high-quality beef. The Philippines is considered Canada's 12th largest importer of Canadian beef. The suspension was put in place after the discovery of an atypical case of BSE back in December, the first case of BSE in Canada in six years. The Philippines, China and South Korea had imposed suspensions following the news as they awaited more information. South Korea lifted its suspension earlier last month. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada will benefit from a $3.3 million investment from the Western Grains Research Foundation. AAFC is matching the $3.3 million investment as well. The equipment purchases will be made at a number of sites, including Brandon, Morden and Portage La Prairie. The equipment being purchased includes multiple plot seeders, combines, sprayers, swathers, irrigation equipment, as well as other field-based phenotyping equipment, allowing for the automated measurement of a variety of plant growth characteristics. And Farm Credit Canada held its 2022 economic outlook last week. Chief economist J.P. Gervais says for now we'll have to live with inflation above the Bank of Canada target. But he thinks once we sort out some disruptions in the supply chain, he feels inflation should start to subside, possibly in the second half of the year. But that is consistent nonetheless with prices remaining elevated, right? So we're talking about inflation coming down. It doesn't mean that prices are going to fall. It just means that we're going to live with high prices, but perhaps prices that somewhat reach a plateau when it comes to overall inflation in the economy. Gervais expects to see an increase in interest rates, possibly in March or April, adding it could be as much as 50 basis points, or 0.5%. Stay tuned, the Prairie Ag Wire is coming up. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Tuesday, February 1st. I'm Candace Dirksen. Coming up today, we'll have details following a National Supply Chain Summit hosted by Canada's Minister of Transport, Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food, the Minister of Innovation, Science and Industry, the Minister of International Trade, Export Promotion, Small Business and Economic Development, the Minister of Labour and the Minister of Employment, Workforce Development and Disability Inclusion. Monday's summit brought together business and industry leaders and associations to discuss the challenges facing Canada's supply chain and to identify potential solutions to ensure that what Canadians need reach their households as quickly as possible. Transport Minister Omar Algebra spoke after the event. My colleagues, Ministers Champagne, Bibo, Ng, Qualtro, O'Regan and I have just concluded our first supply chain summit. The supply chain is top of mind for Canadians, and I can assure you that it is also for our government. We are working to make our supply chain even stronger to ensure that what Canadians need reaches their households as quickly as possible. On that note, I want to thank all the workers who have been keeping our supply chains going throughout the pandemic. And I also want to say that a big threat to our supply chain remains to be COVID. And our best tool is vaccination. That is why our government will always encourage Canadians to get vaccinated. This supply chain summit was another step in our collaboration with industry partners. 
It brought together a range of national organizations, including business associations, manufacturers, and exporters, as well as chief executive officers of railway, marine, air, trucking, and retail companies. Everyone who took part in today's summit is committed to making Canada's supply chain even more efficient, resilient, and reliable in the face of climate change and global COVID-19 pandemic. As we continue our work together, we will also continue to take action. This includes new strategies for the transportation sector workforce, new, more sustainable physical infrastructure, or making it easier for the transportation sector to adopt digital business methods. I want to stress that today's summit is not the end of the conversation, it is just the beginning. Over the coming months, we will follow up with a series of regional and industry sessions for different sectors. We will also develop a comprehensive action plan that will address constraints and ensure our supply chain is stronger and more resilient for the future and our changing climate. Today, I'm also announcing some next steps. First, to further advance our work with the industry, we will create a new supply chain task force. The task force will consult with industry representatives and make recommendations on short and long-term actions for Canada's supply chain. In addition, Transport Canada will make an online portal available for stakeholders and businesses to be able to provide opinions and suggestions. Today, I'm also launching a new targeted call for proposals under the National Trade Corridors Fund. The fund will, decide, will dedicate up to $50 million to support priority measures to relieve immediate supply chain congestions and aid the movement of goods at Canadian ports. This is in addition to the call for proposals we announced in December of last year, which focused on projects that improve the flow of goods and people in Canada as well as international trade. And Budget 2021 also provided an additional $2 billion to recapitalize the National Trade Corridor Fund that makes our supply chain more efficient and supports our econ economic recovery. I'd like to conclude by saying that an efficient and reliable transportation network is key to Canada's economic growth and supporting good middle-class jobs. This summit was an important milestone in addressing challenges, strategies, and next steps to support Canada's transportation supply chain. But the work must continue. Agriculture and Agri-Food Minister Marie-Claude Bebo also offered some thoughts following the summit. Canadians should have confidence that our food supply is able to respond to demand and that our distribution system will continue to operate to meet our needs. Unfortunately, the pandemic has created enormous pressure and caused significant interruptions throughout the chain. Across Canada, we see how our industry continues to experience challenges in recruiting and retaining workers, just as it did even before the pandemic hit. We continue to see the impacts of climate change put stress on our transportation infrastructure, from roads to rail to ports. All of these factors underline both the vulnerability and the importance of an efficient and reliable supply chain to reduce the risk of disruption to our food system. 
to those in our agriculture, food, and retail industry who have joined us today, I want to thank them for making the time to share their experiences, concerns, suggestions, and ambitions. I know there are no short-term fixes. Addressing the challenges facing the Canadian agriculture supply chain are diverse. I heard how important it is to have more data, the challenges that the lack of containers are presenting, and of course, the many issues surrounding labor shortages. Some highlighted how we need to prioritize critical goods and that some regulations need to be harmonized. The agriculture supply chain does not end at the retail store. 20% of goods are now sold via e-commerce. And while our supply chain has remained strong in many urban centers, remote communities continue to experience additional challenges. Our discussions from today reinforce the importance of doubling down on our efforts to address the challenges of congestion and bottlenecks in our supply chains, as well as labor shortages. And there is much more work to be done. Ensuring Canada is on solid footing for economic recovery with reliable access to food for all Canadians means taking meaning meaningful actions now. I will continue to work closely with industry along with my federal, provincial, and international counterparts to ensure that Canada's agriculture and agri-food sector emerges from this crisis stronger than ever. Thank you. That's it for the Prairie Agwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. Prairie Agwire will return Wednesday on the Golden West Farm Network. And now for a look at your farm calendar. The Direct Farm Marketing Conference has moved online and is taking place today through the 5th. Visit directfarmmanitoba.ca for more information. The Dairy Farmers of Canada Annual Policy Conference will be held online February 2nd and 3rd. Visit their website to register. An online beekeeping for the hobbyist course begins tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Sessions will be held every Wednesday, except on February 23rd until March 30th. Cost is $230, and you can register with the University of Manitoba Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences. Looking ahead, the Manitoba Crop Alliance Combined Customer Workshops begin February 6th to 9th, with sessions following the 22nd to 25th and March 6th to 9th. Get all the details, including registration, at the Manitoba Crop Alliance website. The Prairie Organics Conference 2022 is scheduled for February 8th and 9th at Brandon's Keystone Center. Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association hosts the Prairie Organics Conference February 8th to 10th in Selkirk. Visit their website for full details. Manitoba beef producers are holding the 43rd Annual General Meeting February 10th at Victoria Inn in Brandon. There is an online option along with in-person attendance, which is subject to all public health protocols. And Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are being held Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock. These interactive webinars allow participants to view presentations as well as ask questions in real time. Pre-registration is required, so contact Melissa Atchison at 204-264-0294 or email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com.
Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon. Lucas Menhold, president of the Manitoba Forage Seed Association, offered a report to the organization's annual general meeting and seminar last week. Uh, the main focus of MFSA is to conduct the much-needed grower-driven research and agronomy support and deliver the results to our membership. The goal is not only to improve profitability, but to introduce new production practices. We do both small plot research as well as field scale trials with growers who so generously give their time and land. Roger reported on his trials this past year during our meeting yesterday. The recording will be posted to our website. You can also contact him with any questions. Ford Seed News, our industry magazine, continues to be an important tool for communicating the results of our research. Saskatchewan Forage Seed Commission, Alfalfa Seed Commission, Alberta and Peace Region Forage Seed Associations also publish their research results in our magazine, providing growers results from a variety of projects across the prairies. MFSA tries to host a field crop tour every year, visiting the research plots as well as grower fields. Once again, we were forced to cancel due to COVID. As in the past, MFSA attended an annual meeting with MASC to discuss industry concerns and possible changes to the insurance programs. I'll highlight some of the things that we talked about there. Robert and I had a virtual meeting with them last year. Uh, they had introduced a new program called Forge Yield Cushioning. Uh, we talked with them shortly about it, but it applies only to feed crops and not to forage seed production. Uh, the year before, we had asked if they would consider having a second lower threshold for forage establishment insurance, where the forage seed crop would not have to be destroyed before getting payment. Um, they basically said they didn't really consider it and they're not going to. It is up to the adjuster to decide if the stand needs to be destroyed or not. The main topic we brought up to them was getting meadow fescue seed insured as its own crop. Their requirements for adding a new crop are they would like to see at least 5,000 acres of production for at least five years before they will consider it. Uh, Heather contacted the three of the main forage seed companies to find out how many acres are grown in Manitoba. The three-year average from these companies was reported at about 4,300 acres. Crop insurance told us that last year they had 2,500 acres reported and their five-year average is 2,800 compared to the 4,300 that industry says. Um, I'm like probably many of you, if crop insurance isn't gonna cover me, I don't really want to give them my information. But now learning this, um, this is how they develop insurance programs for new crops. They need to know the acres. They want to know the yield so that they have some benchmark data so they can add new crops um, to their program. Uh, what they had mentioned was MASD has a relatively new um, insurance program called Novel Crop Insurance, which Meadow Fescue would qualify for. Novel crop insurance allows a grower to select different coverage levels up to $250 an acre. Payments are calculated based on the average of all of a farm's cr 
crop claims in that year. We asked how uptake has been on that program and how payouts compare to the other crops. In 2018 and 19 year, there were approximately 30 growers and 7,200 acres insured. The LCR or loss coverage ratio for novel crop insurance during that time was 13.5, while all other crops were 5.07. This shows that uh, novel crop insurance was paying out at a higher rate than the average crops were. Uh, so it seems to show that growers are getting some value out of the program. I'm sure this year with the drought, um, it would have paid out fairly well. Um, this coming year, we have yet to decide if we will attend the meeting because we do not currently have many new issues to bring forward. If you have any questions or concerns regarding crop insurance, please bring them to us either now or contact us after the meeting. Um, if we have an issue, we will bring it forward and meet with them, but we need your input for that. MFSA continues to participate in minor use meetings, ensuring that forage seed industry is represented. As most meetings in 2021, it was held virtually. The purpose of these meetings is to review the top minor use priorities identified by each province and industry. MFSA has been very successful in achieving top priority projects specific to forage seed production. This ensures that much needed chemical receives registration for use in the forage seed industry. In closing, I would like to thank all the growers and industry partners. Without their support, it would be impossible to continue conducting the field scale research we do. This year, we have one director leaving us as their term is up. Thank you, Derek, for your contribution the past three years. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. And now for another look at your farm news. More good news for Canadian beef exports. The Philippines has lifted its suspension of Canadian beef imports. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo announced the news on Twitter, calling it great news for livestock producers and their high-quality beef. The Philippines is considered Canada's 12th largest importer of Canadian beef. The suspension was put in place after the discovery of an atypical case of BSE back in December. The Philippines, China and South Korea had imposed suspensions following the news as they awaited more information. South Korea lifted its suspension earlier this month. Farm Credit Canada's chief economist says he expects to see an increase in interest rates, possibly in March or April, adding that it could be as much as 50 basis points, or 0.5 percent. J.P. Gervais says it's time for people to evaluate their operations and financial risk. Should I be looking at my own strategy when it comes to, you know, the financial risk that I face, right? Should I be locking in some rates? Should I look at my loan portfolio and say, well, maybe there's an opportunity for me to lock in some rates, knowing that we'll likely get short-term rates going up in the next 12 months. Farm Credit Canada held its 2022 economic outlook last week. And prairie farmers will see the results of the $3.3 million investment from the Western Grains Research Foundation through improved crop productivity and resource use efficiency. The Western Grains Research Foundation is earmarking the money for agriculture and agri-food Canada. The money, along with AAFC's matching funds, will go towards new equipment purchases at research sites in Manitoba, Saskatchewan and Alberta. The equipment includes multiple plot seeders, combines, sprayers, swathers, irrigation equipment, and more. 
Garth Patterson, the Western Grain Research Foundation's executive director, says to maintain scientific advances at the rate required by today's producers, it's important for prairie-based researchers to have the tools they need to stay ahead of the curve. And we've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. We'll meet you back here tomorrow at 12 o'clock.